Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. This is not headline news. Today is change your password day. Or as I like to call it, change all the exclamation points to question marks day. The fashion trend for 2024 is mob wife. So every married woman in New Jersey can be trendy with what they already own. Alice in Chains released a 30th anniversary LP edition of their album Jar of Flies with actual flies pressed into the vinyl. Not to be outdone, Maroon 5 is re-releasing all their albums with dog poop pressed into them. And in sports, new head coach Jim Harbaugh toured the Chargers facility. He wanted to meet some of LA's star players, but none of the Rams were there. This is not Headline News. Hey, I saw that a news survey found 40% of people have ended a relationship over a poor financial decision. It's sad when the last words in a relationship are, you bought a mechanical bull? A horse in Ohio recently tested positive for methamphetamine, in case you're wondering how they make crazy glue. Well, this is going viral. A Pizza Hut in Canada put up a sign to notify customers that they were closing their dining room due to unforeseen circumstances, but they made a slight spelling error and said, due to unforeseen circumcision. I don't think that's what most people have in mind when they say, you want to go for a slice? Right, Shia, it's your KC Mowon Show, baby. What's the word, Kansas City? A happy Thursday to the KC Morning Hoes. On the show today, my friends, I am excited for you to hear from our friend, Dr. Katie Irvin. She's the CEO at Catalyst Development. Think about how much time you spend at work. Could be in person, maybe it's virtual. Most of our life is spent on the clock. So it would be nice if we enjoyed ourselves while we are there. You might be familiar with the term quiet quitting. We're gonna break down why employers shouldn't even let it get to that point where you as a worker are quietly quitting because you don't feel appreciated enough in the job that you're in. If you are a worker, an employee, no matter where it's at, we gonna gas you up today. After that, the sweet sounds of one DJ Die Hard McLean Johnson put together a little KCMS mix for your Thursday. Shout out to the street beast, McLean Johnson. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do. Kansas City, back in your feeds tomorrow. It's a good day, a damn good day to be a Kansas City. Sidian, absolutely. We will see you in the morning. Bye. Greetings, Hartzell. Search the force and a tremor I have felt. It was you. Your ego just busted a planet. The KC Morning Show. 
the first time on your KC Morning Show, we are joined by the good doctor, Dr. Katie Irvin. She is the CEO of Catalyst Development. So we're talking leadership. We're talking skills. Basically, my friends, we are talking about how you can feel appreciated in the workplace. And it doesn't always have to mean a pizza party every Friday. Dr. Katie, why don't you go ahead and tell us about all of this? Welcome to the show. Well, Hartsville, thank you so much for having me. I love your show. I love everything you do and especially excited to talk about this topic because it's so important that we're able to show up at work as our authentic true self and to be able to get what we want out of work. So many people are showing up and just kind of going through the grind of the day to day. And lately, there's been that trend we keep hearing about quiet quitting, but disengagement has been around forever. And it's really important as workers, but also as leaders in our organizations that we understand why people are disengaged and demotivated and quite frankly, don't want to show up every day. Well, and also think about all the life that we've had to live together in the past, you know, three, four, four and a half years. It's also been a bit of a a recalibration for not just the workforce, whatever that means in air quotes, but just like a recalibration for our soul, for ourselves. You know, we're realizing that maybe I am worth a little bit more. In fact, I know I'm worth a little bit more. So how in this transition phase, if we're going to call it that, I guess, what have you learned? What are we learning in this, for a lack of better phrase, this new normal that is, you know, the reality of a 21st century workplace in a post-pandemic life? Yeah, I love this question. I get asked this so much, like, what's the new normal? You know, what are we going to do? And I think the most important thing is that we acknowledge that we cannot go back to where we were. Where we were pre-pandemic with most organizations was you come in, you grind, you were expected to just head down and do the job. And so many people used to tell me that they were told, well, you know, if you don't like it, we'll just get someone else to fill your spot. And that's so that's so demotivating. And that's that's just not the way the world should work. We should be able to show up and be happy at work. And so my doctoral research that I did six years ago is on workplace motivation, employee satisfaction. So how do we get the right people in the right seats doing the right jobs so they'll be happier and more loyal? And what I'm finding post-pandemic is this is even more important. As I relook at my research and I relook at what people want, we want to feel valued and important and quite frankly, loved and appreciated at work. And if you're not going to do that, we're going to find someplace else to do it. And there's so many more options these days than there were even just 5, 10, 15 years ago. Can we double down on that just a bit? So in those conversations you're having, let's talk about the worker side, the employee side, not quite on the employer side yet. Are there any common phrases or rationales or just ethos behind this resurgence of honestly workers trying to take back and reclaim some of that power? Of course, we want to be appreciated in this, but are there certain material, tangible benefits or things that you're noticing is now being brought up more in the job search? Yeah, I think it's so interesting. And we're doing a lot of research right now on generations because there's five generations in the workforce now. And Generation Z is really taking the workforce by storm as our millennials. 
And I hear all the time people say, well, you know, generations these days and these <laughs> these people. And I mean, that is such, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like every generation, we all have our things that make us unique. And the other thing I'm hearing is organizations saying, well, they don't want to be in the workplace and they don't want to come in and they want to work on their own schedule and they want to do this and they want to do that. And it's like, first of all, stop with the they and them because that's ridiculous. But second of all, what I feel employees really want is to know what's expected out of them, how they can achieve it. And my research that I did talks about belonging. So people want to be able to come as their authentic, true self. They don't want to have to fit in anymore. They don't want to have to fake it till they make it. They don't want to have to pretend that they're one of the bros or anything like that. They want to come as their authentic, true selves. And then they want to have the tools and resources that they need to do it. They want to have the training. They want to have the policies and procedures in line that help them to be successful. But I had a woman tell me one time, not even making this up. I said, what is your biggest frustration at work? And she said, I don't have an F key on my keyboard, like literal the letter F. And I'm like, get a new keyboard. Like these little micro paper cuts that just demotivate us are exhausting and and people don't want to deal with that anymore. And so whether it be the big stuff or the little stuff, we want to have what we need to do our jobs. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the, the research you found and also what you're finding now at Catalyst. Bridging that disconnect between not just C-suite and the rank and file, but even just from my manager across the hall, what have you found that's been successful in bridging that disconnect? It's so fascinating for me. And I did 14 years of corporate HR, and I did another 12 years in higher ed administration before I started Catalyst Development. And everything I always found was when people failed, when people messed up, when people weren't successful, it was so often that they didn't have either the kind feedback of someone saying, did you know you messed us up? Did you know that this is an issue? Or they didn't have the training and the skill development that they needed. And so that's why we started Catalyst Development is to really give people that skill development, that real how to do it. And what I find with managers so often, even just frontline supervisors that are there on the line grinding with everyone else is they're good at their current job. And then they get a promotion and we expect that they're going to go to sleep at night and wake up with these magic powers the next day that makes them a leader. And that's not the case. They don't have any new skills the next day just because you gave them a new title. We have to train those type of skills and we have to really invest in our people to do that. And we're going to break down some of those skills, but I'm going to take a little tangent because I told you we take walks on this show. I love it. It's a question that I think we've been asking in the workforce for a long time. Who exactly, Katie, does HR work for slash represent? (laughs) You you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) This is such a fantastic question. And, you know, the answer really depends. I tell people all the time, I started this company because I sat in the HR chair for so many years and had that list of things I wanted to do for my employees, but never had the time or resources to do them. And so I think the really, really great HR people, the people that are doing it for the right reasons, they're doing it for the impact and not just the title and to not just sit in the chair. They're walking this really fine line of serving the employees and serving the company. And so they have to put on both hats and really make sure that they're holding everybody accountable. And 
some of the best HR jobs I've had, I've had to write up the general manager and the CEO of my organization because he wasn't doing everything right. And so to build that trust and relationship, it's not easy. But as HR, you're responsible to everybody in that organization. And it can be a really stressful and hard job. But there are some people out there doing it really, really well. And those are the organizations that are thriving. So, yeah, let's talk about some of those skills that we as potential employees will be, you know, gravitated towards. I'm just thinking, you know, in my own life, I've worn quite a few hats, but I will (laughs) say that that dynamic of it's not so much that I am providing a valuable service for you, employer, that's actually going to make you money. The mindset still so often comes across as, well, I provided a platform for you to make me money. So it's even still as I'm doing a thing for you, it's still just that mindset of, well, you're still underneath me because I'm I'm the big guy up top. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are the organizations that are going to continue to die and hopefully, quite frankly, close. And that sounds horrible yeah. to say, but you know, those organizations that still see employees as a commodity and that well, you're mine and I'm going to demand and command things of you. It doesn't mean, and I was just talking about this the other day because I had a CEO say, well, I can't cater to every employee's whim all the time. And that's not what we're asking leaders to do. What we're really asking leaders to do is create clear expectations and clear boundaries and then allow your people to do that. Trust them with the skills that they have and be there to support them, but get out of their way and give them the, the autonomy, quite frankly, to, to do the job you've hired them to do. But when we hover over them, when we micromanage them, when we beat them down, it's just not good for, for anyone and they're going to leave you. I mean, we got to empower our folks, yes. giving the workers the power that they have so that they can take that and make us all be great together. Practically, what does that look like? What are some techniques that you have seen that have been super successful? You know, I hate when people say, well, I have an open door policy. Come in any time. You know, my door is always open. People aren't going to come in and share with you if they don't feel like you care about them. Mm -hmm. And so I always talk about you need to love your employees. I equate it to dating. You know, when we're first dating our partner, our spouse, you know, we're brushing our hair, we're, you know, women, we're shaving our legs, we're putting on our best outfit. It's the same with the recruiting process. We are telling them how valuable they are, how much we appreciate them, how we can't live without them. And so we're really courting them through the hiring process. And then we bring them on board and we stop doing the things that we did to recruit them. And so when you think about once you get married, I've been married for, you know, 24 years. It's like, yeah, ponytail and a sweatshirt and we're all good. And, you know, are we doing that at work? Are we just like, yeah, you're good. You're still here. And so I tell people, you need to be having one-on-ones. You need to be talking with your employees about their growth plans. You need to be talking to them about their desires and what they want to be when they grow up. Even if they've been with your organization for 30 years, people still have aspirations and things they want to do. And what are those? So having those conversations and not shutting them down. And the other thing I'm seeing with these younger generations, which I think is so fantastic if us older generations would get out of the way and celebrate them is Gen Zs and millennials, they want to have impact. They want to have input. They want to be involved in the success of the organization. And we need to hear them and support them and not shut them down because we're uncomfortable with technology or change. 
the ladies on my team, I have fought them for months because I don't want to be on TikTok. And they're like, Katie, (laughs) (laughs) your message that you put out in the world, you know, there's people out there that want to hear it. And so I begrudgingly record my videos almost every morning and it's, it's really great. And so we have to be open to new ideas and to listen to our people and not be afraid of change in the scary unknown, even though we just don't know what's around the corner. You know, in the research that you have done, how has the managerial class, what am I trying to say here? You know, this show, we are a very pro-union, pro-collective bargaining show, which is why I am so excited to have you on the show today. So let me quit stepping over it. How can we cultivate solidarity within a workforce without freaking out the bosses that a bunch of folks want to unionize or collective bargain? I guess the question I'm trying to ask is how can we foster a real community within the workplace? without folks in charge feeling threatened? Yeah, I think that's a a great question. And for me, it's so important that people feel like you care about them and that there's a relationship. And so I've worked in two different union environments in my career. And one, I had a great relationship with the union leadership and it was so easy to work with them. I could easily just go and make connections. And the reason why is because I built trust with them They knew that I would care for them and that I would treat them with respect and that I would hear them out. And I wasn't just trying to push them to do things that were immoral, unethical, or illegal, but also I wasn't trying to take advantage of them. And I think so often people get afraid of collective voices or people stepping up or, you know, advocating and For me, we should celebrate when people are loud. We should celebrate when people want their voices heard because that means they care and they're passionate. What happens is it turns when we ignore them, when we don't listen to them, when we dismiss them. That's when it all turns to a negative place. And so I love when employees, customers, clients complain because it gives us an opportunity to rectify it. It's when they get quiet And it's kind of that underground unionizing or underground kind of coming together that creates a challenge. So we should really celebrate those loud voices. And I think so often as leaders, we get afraid of that because we're thinking, oh my God, they're so mad, but they're saying it out loud. They're still saying it behind closed doors. We should celebrate when they're saying it in public. Dr. Katie Irvin, my friend, this has been truly a fascinating and such an enjoyable conversation. I guess closing thoughts, you know, final pitches for both the employer side and the employee side. Are you still encouraged looking at the numbers and the labor force? There is reason to be encouraged, but also when we see these top line numbers of an economy that is booming and all these things, but you have folks also saying that they're paycheck to paycheck and they are not sure how they're going to be able to pay rent this month. And all of this, I feel, is absolutely interconnected. And like you said, the more that we can have these conversations out loud and the more that we can head towards that collective goal, I think that's always worth pursuing. And I hope that we're getting closer to that pursuit of happiness. I'm cautiously optimistic. I know you and I have had a side conversation about this. I am worried. I have a 21 and a 19 year old and I am terrified that they're not going to be able to afford to, you know, even just rent an apartment in Kansas City and to buy strawberries and do some of the most basic of things because life is so expensive and it is related 
to the workforce and how we treat workers. There's so many people that are underemployed. So we can talk about unemployment numbers all the time. What we don't talk about is underemployment. Mm -hmm. And the other thing in Kansas City, and I'll try not to get on this complete soapbox, and Kansas City is not unique, but we talk about the skills gap all the time in Kansas City. And really, it's a grace gap. Because a lot of times in organizations, if someone looks hard or they don't look like us or they don't show up the way we want them to show up, then we're not willing to give them a chance or give them an opportunity or open a door for them. And I think we need to open the door of access and conversation and do some real intentional skill building. No matter where we come from life, we have the important skills to do a really good job. We just need people to care about us and cultivate us and to, quite frankly, give everyone a chance because the organizations that do that, the organizations that are innovative and lean into the new way of work, they're going to thrive and the customers are going to be there, the clients will be there, the money, the profit, everything will be there, but it's the ones that slide back that are really going to have challenges. And again, just piggybacking off of what she just said, I'm going to use two references here. I apologize for my pop culture nerddom, but Yoda said, already have you that which you need. And a chorus line says, all we ever needed was the music and the mirror and the chance to dance for you. What I'm trying to say is we've got the talent. All we need is the opportunity. Give a little grace and we can go a long, long way. But I did lie to you. I got one more question. (laughs) One more question. (laughs) What is your advice, suggestion, pitch for someone looking for a job? Maybe someone who's at their job now who's not happy, not satisfied. What can you tell them so they don't sink into that cynicism? That's what I fear so much is that, you know, life is hard as it is. And then to be told how much you're not worth it for this reason or that reason. And while all that's going on, I still got bills to pay. It is exhausting in the fullest extent of that word. Your advice to folks out there on the hunts, on the job search, what can you say to keep them in the game, keep them fighting for it? It is exhausting and it is a grind. And so a couple quick tips. One is make a nice to have, must to have and deal breaker list. What are those things in the job that you must have? You must be able to pay your bills. What's that number look like? What are the must haves? You have to have Saturdays off because you have a second job or you have family or something like that. What are the nice to haves? And then what are the deal breakers? I can't travel because I'm a single mother of four. I, you know, am a father who is also a caregiver for a sick mother. What are those deal breakers? And have that list. Because what happens sometimes when we are desperate is something shiny comes along and we throw all of that out the window. So know your must-haves, nice-to-have deal breakers. Also, really look at your own personal values and your guiding principles because we don't want to sell our soul for a paycheck. It will just make us miserable. So sometimes we just need to do a job until we find our career. So find that job that you can enjoy while you're truly looking for that career. And then I will say the other thing too is Find a community around you who will love, care, and support you and will silence the voices in your head when you have self-doubt because you're not alone. We all have self-doubt no matter where we are, no matter how successful we are. There's those little voices in our head that creep in that say, you're not worth it. You can't do it. So find those cheerleaders around you. And if you have people draining you, get them out of your life. Silence them. Unfriend them on social media. Stop following them. 
turn it off because those are those drains that are going to really force you into making a decision you don't want to make for your career. Yeah, that imposter syndrome. That imposter syndrome has a crazy effective way of keeping us off that highway of life. And so just know, my friends, that you are worth it. You've always been worth it. And by the way, it is okay to want to be told you're pretty. Because guess what, y'all? You are pretty and you are appreciated. You are also appreciated, Dr. Katie Irvin, the CEO of Catalyst Development. It's been so good to have this conversation on air because we were preaching last time I talked to you. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I appreciate you. And anything we can do to help anyone, we are here at Catalyst Development to do it. So katieirvin.com, we have nonprofit rates. We do discount rates for those people that are underemployed. And quite frankly, we do grant funding into our year-long leadership program because we want everyone to have an opportunity for access and to have a seat at the table to get the full employment that they deserve. Buried way beneath the sheets I think she's having a meltdown Finding it hard to fall asleep She won't let anyone help her The look on her face, a waste of time She won't let go, gonna roll the dice Losing her grace, starts to cry I feel our pain when I look Somewhere she is on the streets Trying to make things better Praying to God and breathing deep Gotta break this long obsession The look on her face, a waste of time She won't let go, gonna roll the dice Losing her grace, starts to cry I feel our pain when I look at
one thing that I found is as true as the sunrise. It's that I like being on there with hot sauce. The Casey Morning Show. Casey Morning Show. McLean Douglas Johnson here, a.k.a. The Street Beast, a.k.a. DJ Die Hard. And I'm in the mix for the next 20 minutes with blazing new tunes. Just grabbing some tunes and getting after it. And if you enjoy these vibes, you can catch me live at Guy Fieri's Taco Joint and Dive in Kansas City Power and Light District, February 3rd and February 17th, 8 p.m. until 1 in the morning, baby. Come beast it with me live.
that steal love But it slipped from your sweat and palms Should've earned love, grafting I still work plants Fear of mentally ill times Being inculcated by the news And I'ma dance on my kneecaps Pop like shots of the cops when the kneecaps stop The carotid artery like a faucet Forcing the drops of the blood Throw the stop in its tracks Do not make a fool of yourself Trying to cover up I connect dots too loud to your face With a smile like best friends We friends We be better separated like Chinese twins But the wrists are hearts Being chopped down the satellite process I don't want you to forget Even though you don't know yet But in advance let's show how to focus I know you want the boom back Put love on the track Like I had to commute back Can't heartbeat Make stethoscope flinch Like if you don't move back I'ma punch through that dome In my igloo Yeah the moon's back Beautiful skyscapes Snow melts like my emotions Roaming like Marcus Aurelius Home cobble road Yeah alone in my zone On my own Two step like the rhythm Had hot coals I need to step up to the goals If goals underneath The belly of the dragon I'ma chase that archetype Then I smoke them bowls It ain't a punchline If it don't slap This beat's very disciplined Make you feel twelve with a step that's strict like wreck it up Make the rhyme by the sound wave Did it surf on the shelves I've been looking at my life in the words So the harmony soothes me Makes me articulate Takes this to give a bit Then if you don't live with it Life's fucking hard Acid raindrops out from the goddess's lips